The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Feeling better? Looking better. Making life better. It's Life Tips. Life We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back, everybody, to the Life Tips Show. This is Byron here. I'm here today with Julie Bauke the author of Stop Peeing on Your Shoes, Adding the Seven Mistakes That Screw Up Your Job Search. Julie, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Sure. So uh, let's talk about the title for, for a second. Love the title. Um, <laughs> tell, us, tell us a little bit, of, uh, and, and I can't wait to laugh with you through the entire show, but <laughs> let, let's, let's have a laugh because uh, I think that the title is probably indicative of who you are and, and how you came up with a name would be great to learn. Yeah, it's um, it's actually what I used to say when I would work with clients and they would go out on their own to try to find a job and then they'd call back a month later and say, okay, I think I need some help. And I used to either think or say, depending on the person's uh, seeming sense of humor, okay, now let's see how much you've already peed on your shoes, which just <laughs> implies that, you know, we make mistakes. We are our own worst enemy a lot of times in life and in job search, it's no exception. Hmm. It, it, do you have any quick, uh, uh, you know, uh, summary of, of what went into the creation of the book. I'm particularly interested in that because you've, of course, I can imagine consulted with a lot of people. I'd love to hear how you broke out the philosophies of the books and, and, and identifying the seven mistakes that, that really screwed people up. Well, what I did was, I, you know, I, in, for nine years, I worked with probably between two and 3,000 people. And what I huh. discovered was that whether you were a retiring professional athlete, a CEO, or a $30,000 a year person, regardless of income, capabilities, et cetera, everybody made the same mistakes. And it comes from not being smart or not wanting to do well. It comes from not knowing and never having learned. And so when I sat down, I thought, okay, I'm so tired of people saying to me, people I know from all parts of my life, how do you really find a job? Or, or seeing people make mistakes, and I thought, that does it. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do this fun and I'm going to do it from the mistake side and I'm going to give people, you know, the stuff that they just don't do these seven things, they'll be much better off than most of the people they're competing with. And so that's where it came from. Before I ask the famous question, what are the seven mistakes that everybody, of course, wants to hear on the show, um, you know, in your opinion, do you, do you feel that it's easy to learn the, 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 the art of, of finding a job, is it, or is it incredibly complex, and, and if so, um, how hard is it to learn that art and the, and the science of really finding the right job for you and interviewing in the right way and, and applying in the right way? Is, is it difficult? Is it hard? And, and, and let's, let's talk about that first. It's easy. It's, and it's a lot of common sense, too. Um, and what I do is I'll, I have people read my book and like in groups of men or something and I'll say, I'll talk to you after you read my book and they'll read it. It's 108 pages. It's funny and it's stories and they'll go, oh my gosh, this makes total sense. It seems so simple. I wish I would have done it 10 or 20 years ago. It, it, it's, it's, there are so many similarities between finding a job and other things we do in our lives, but we don't do a good job of taking those other things and applying it to job search. So none of it is, is certainly not 
you know, as they say, rocket surgery. What has this current market done for to people in terms of training them on bad habits, you know, the constant rejection you may be getting if you're looking for a job? You know, do, do you see sort of, uh, you know, negative things happening to the whole job search industry as a result of so many people being unemployed and, and, and so much sort of doom and gloom out there? How is that affecting individuals? Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the biggest reasons that people pee on their shoes is because they, it's because of emotion. It's because they're feeling desperate. They're feeling panicked, and they do things that they normally wouldn't do in a different situation. And so layer on top of that, the number of people, you, you hear these statistics all the time. There are, you know, six bazillion people for every job. You know, you hear these things that make people go, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to get a job. And so what they do is they, they, they react, and they react even more you know, even more uh, uh, strongly than they would have in a, in a typical job market. And they're more likely to, out of fear and desperation and panic, to, you know, to, to do crazy things that actually hurts their job search. So, yeah, it just, it just, it exacerbates the whole, the whole all the mistakes. Really. Mm-hmm. And, and aren't, aren't morales and egos really being destroyed and, 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 you know, with, 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 with what's happening out there right now? And, and, and doesn't that affect your, your demeanor going into an interview or oh. a job search? Big time. In fact, mm-hmm. mistake number three is not managing between your ears. And especially men. I see it. And this is completely anecdotal, but you know, I, I have it confirmed. I've had it confirmed by a lot of other people that men, first of all, don't like to ask for help and support. I mean, you know, they don't like to ask for directions. And so you take that and you apply <clears> that to this process. And you really, because this is something you don't, you know, that, that most of us aren't taught, we have to learn it. And the only way we learn it is typically through other people. And on top of that, two-thirds or more people get their jobs through someone else. And so you can't get a job through someone else unless you're willing to talk to the someone else's. Mm. And we feel embarrassed. We feel like if I was any good, I wouldn't have lost my job. I can't. And men more more often self-identify with work than women do. And so they're more, it feels like more of a fall, and therefore it's harder to get back up. So there's all kinds of things that go into that. And you're right. Walking in the door with any sort of a demeanor, either spoken or unspoken, that says, let's get this over with, I know you're not going to hire me, is is just poison to an employer. Because they see it, they smell it, and they say, I don't want to take on your problems. And so walking into an interview feeling anything less than 100% confident at a time when you're not really feeling 100% confident is one of the trickiest parts of the job search to navigate. <clears throat> We're going to I can't wait to walk through that. But tell me a little bit about about the balance of of you know what we typically refer to as qualifications and experience versus almost, you know, perception about that person and the energy level of that person. I mean, are we yeah. beginning you know, are we beginning how do those how are those things different and and what are you seeing in the marketplace today? Um, and, and particularly that you can affect with, with what I'm sure you're preaching. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about a typical search. So let's say a company puts out an ad, a posting, puts the word out they're looking to fill a position. Um, they will get X number of resumes or responses back. And it might, be, um, it might be 20, it might be 200. So the first goal of going through that pile is, can which of these people can do the job? And because at that point, you're only an attachment or a piece of paper, it's really about skills and experience. 
how well or, or, or do they at all match up with the skills and experience we're looking for. So that's always the first cut. So, of course, in that point, in, in that part, you know, having the right message, having your resume, telling your story appropriately, that stuff really matters. So let's go to the next step. Now I've got, let's say I have 50. Let's say I had 50. Let's say I cut it down to 10. And now I've got 10 people who on paper can do the job. Now for the fun starts. Now's where the uh, can you do the job here starts. And so I might do a fun screen of 10 people. And I might, I, I'm upping the game at that point. Because you're moving from a piece of paper to a voice. And so I've got your, I've got your verbals. I've got your tone. I've got how you phrase things. I've got whether you're articulate or not. I've got all of that to add to my pile of information about you. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to make assumptions there. You know, does <clears> this person, you know, seem to, at least based on a phone conversation, fit? And then, of course, the next step is the in-person. I smell you. I feel you. I hear you. And I'm deciding. And that's when you really pick up on energy and mood and those kind of things that are really are the make or breakers at the end, well beyond that piece of paper. Hmm. How, how is social media figuring into the equation? <laughs> it's a way for an employer. Think about the, the analogy I just used. I've got this pile or this bucket of information about you. And it's filled, it's filled, it comes from a lot of different places. And in the old days, I really could only go for, you know, what's on your resume and how you came across and those sort of things. Now, social media gives employers or even individuals in your network the opportunity to add to that pile. And so from the perspective of not only job seekers, but really any professional that has career goals at all, you need to know that you are being checked out in probably nine out of ten instances where people have the opportunity to decide whether to get to know you or not, and mm-hmm. whether that's an employment situation or do I want you <clears> in my <throat> network. I go on, if anybody calls me about anything, I go on LinkedIn first, and I look at their profile, and I say, all right, you know, who do we know in common? What might we have in common? Why is this person contacting me? And frankly, this sounds really mercenary, but is it worth my time to talk to this person? I mean, we, we can't talk to everybody. And so what you've got is a a layer of information about yourself out there that you have some control over and sometimes not much control over that people will go through sometimes before you even know they're looking. Mm -hmm. So so you've got this, you've got, and sometimes you won't even know. And you're, Mm -hmm. you're, you're checked out, you're taken out of the pile, you're put in the no pile and you don't even know what's happening. So it is, it, it has definitely upped the game. In in the content marketing world that we're in and also the sales world, um, I just wanted to comment on the fact that when we look at applicants, we are immediately going to look at how many followers they have on Facebook and Twitter and how many uh, you know people they're linked in with and who, what overlap do we have. I mean, it seems to me that your value is no longer in what's on your resume on the initial review process. It's out in the social sphere. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it, it <clears throat> depend depending on the field you're in, and okay. if you are like perfect example. I was talking to a really good professional colleague of mine, and she is applying for a big, big job where networking and building relationships is going to be critical, and it's a, it's a stretch job for her. And she was like, "God, you know, I hate LinkedIn, I hate Facebook, it drives me crazy, I don't have time yeah. for it." And I said, "Okay, <clears throat> you are 
53 years old, 54 years old. You look like you're 44, but it doesn't matter. You know, your resume is going to, you're 54, 55 years old. And your, this recruiter that you're talking to and your potential employer want to know if you are with it when it, when it comes to social media. Now, you're going to be at a level where you won't have to do it, but they want to know, do you get it? And the older you get, the more important it is that you be seen as staying up to date. And especially if you're 40 to 45 plus, you darn well better have a good, complete LinkedIn profile and you better, you know, you better be engaged at that level or because if people are looking for you before they decide whether to talk to you and you're not there, bad news. And mm-hmm. you can fight it all you want. You can say you don't like it, but you know, it's, it, 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 it is, it, it's critical today. And to ignore that is to really limit your opportunities. Let's take up stager break, everyone. We'll be back in just a minute with more of the critical and key and all-important seven mistakes that screw up your job search. Back in a minute, everybody. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. From the creators of We Build Pages, experience the power of the Internet Marketing Ninja. An exclusively trained army of nearly 100 in-house ninjas. Mastered in the arts of social media, local marketing, content creation, SEO reporting, and yes, link building. The Internet Marketing Ninjas will release a new version of their legendary tools to the public. Visit the Internet Marketing Ninjas booth at PubCon 2011 Vegas or visit imninjas.com. The ninjas are coming. Looking for an affiliate network that can package every solution an advertiser or publisher needs in one account? Your one-stop source for full-server solutions is admedia.com. AdMedia delivers an incredible lineup of specialized XML feeds for local, social, and search, plus the advertising arsenal of PPC, SEM, contextual, display, and more. AdMedia gives your campaign real visibility, from emailers to domain redirects. AdMedia tailors your all-in-one campaign to give your account a real advantage. AdMedia.com delivers cost-effective ad solutions with real conversions. Learn everything AdMedia can do for you today. Sign up at AdMedia.com. AdMedia, strong ROI made simple. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Open your windows for a breath of fresh air. WebmasterRadio.fm And hey, Mac, we're here for you too. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. This is such good advice. I hope that 
I wish we could broadcast this on every street in every country to really yes, uh, to get this, this, this data out to people. But let's walk through it. Let's make it simple for people. Let's make it easy to really step through a guide here on how they can take their, their career and their job search to the next level. And by the way, I think that's an interesting first question for you. Taking your career to the next level and feeling as if you perpetually need to do that, isn't that really tied into the job search? You mean if, if when you're doing a job search, should you always be thinking about taking your career to the next level? Absolutely. You and when, you, when you're okay. in your current job or even when you're in looking for a job, shouldn't you be taking your skill set to the next level? Reading, you know, researching, oh, following you people. I mean, to me, honestly, that's the key part here with everything we're yes. talking about is this oh my thirst thirst to learn thirst to take to the next level hunger to take on more um and 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 you know so i just wanted to comment on that yes <laughs> so. absolutely you know it's it's when you are i was just having a conversation with somebody about this you know, when you're unemployed one of the biggest questions that you need to be able to answer or work into the conversation is what have you been doing with your time because job search should not be 40 to 50 hours per week you mm-hmm. can't be, that's too one-dimensional. And so mm-hmm. potential employer wants to know, how have you been spending your time? And so you want to be able to say, I've been keeping up in, the, in my LinkedIn groups and with my local professional association on some of the trends in my profession or my industry. I have, uh, let's say my technology skills aren't so great. I took some online courses or some local courses on uh, you know, advanced Excel and I, you know, in other words, how have you, it, it's a great question. It's a great, it's definitely something you should be doing as a job search, but you're right. Bigger picture, we should all be doing it all the time. And you're getting to a really key point here, which is it is nobody's responsibility to manage your career, but yours. Mm-hmm. It's not your employers. It's not your mom's. It's not, it's not the government. It's no one's job to create a job for you. It's your uh, it's your job to create an opportunity for yourself based on how you're keeping your skills and your contacts up to date. Uh, I have taken a second to write that down. That may become a a uh, a statement on our walls that our employees, <laughs> so our employees can see that. Yeah. I think that is so remarkably true. What's most interesting about that, if you think about who raises it up to the next level, who is selected to be the manager, right? It's always that person that is taken on that responsibility to take their job and their career to the next level. I mean, it's yeah. so it's so easy to separate. One more question before we go into the seven mistakes. And, and you know, in the end of the day, people are just going to have to buy the book to, to read them all because these questions are so fun. But but when we when we, when we think about that that uh, that that difficult challenge. I just want to ask this: of, of of leaving your current job because you can't grow within that job. Can you comment on that? Is that a cop out right yeah. there? Is that you know? Is that really just uh, someone who's looking for their lives and their future to be in someone else's hands, not necessarily their hands? Not necessarily. You know, when you look at all the information that goes into whether it's time to change jobs or not, career happiness is has many, many moving parts, and it's a very individual definition. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to say, if, if you are in a very flat organization or a very small organization, or let's say a family-owned organization, mm-hmm. and you really, really want to be the top dog someday, but you don't have the right last name. Mm-hmm. So, 
it's reasonable to say, okay, I'm going to get all the experience I can get here, and then I'm going to smartly and strategically figure out what's next for me and get it. That mm-hmm. is such a different process than, oh, my gosh, I just got laid off. I've got to find a job. Mm-hmm. I'll do anything. You know, which yeah. is where people are. It's, and the reason I got into this field is because I became fascinated by the psychology of why people stay places when they're miserable. Why do they accept misery as normal? And it's, it's fascinating to me the things that go into when it's time to make that decision. And the bottom line is the thing that usually makes the decision for people is if they got let go. Mm-hmm. And we will never make good decisions when we're panicking. And so, our, frankly, at my firm, our favorite clients are the ones who, the ones who are employed but want to do something different or better. They have the opportunity to be strategic, and they're just looking at it very differently than, than you know, frankly, someone who's unemployed is. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what is the most impactful thing you can do to? Get your resume on the top of the stack when you're applying for a job. <clears throat> well, and and um, if you are if you're applying for a job for a job through uh, an online job site or the company's website, the job that's been posted, and they say this is how we want you to apply. Of course, you should do that. But the mistake people make is they stop right there. Mm-hmm. They say, "Okie dokie, I'm just going to wait for my phone to ring." Because clearly, mm-hmm. I'm fabulous. And somebody's going to see that, and okay. And what if you're a fit for 10 out of 10 things they're looking for, and your phone doesn't ring? It's devastating. So what I tell people to do is you have to jump to the top of the pile in an appropriate way. So let's say that the company, that it's it's public. You know who the company is, because sometimes companies will run blind ads. And in that case, you're kind of stuck. But if I know it's the XYZ company that's looking for a director of customer service, then I can then use my LinkedIn network, and my other networks to find someone who works at XYZ, used to work at XYZ, or is connected to somebody who works at XYZ. And I can say, I applied for this position. Are you in a position within your company to go say a good word about me? Or can you at least help me with the hiring manager's name? So I, and, I won't, and I won't share where I got it, but I want to send them a direct letter. So you have to, instead of being very passive, you have to find a way to network your way in, to learn more about the company, and to, again, jump to the top of the pile. And the good news is, so let's say you're, one of my favorite lines is jump to the other side of the table because you have to look at it from the company's perspective. So let's look at the perspective of the HR person who's just gotten 200 resumes. And they're going, crap, I don't want to go through all these. And in walks your neighbor and says, hey, my neighbor Bob applied for this position. I think he'd be a great fit. He's really a good guy, blah, blah, blah. Oh, really? So I go to my pile. I pull out Bob. And if Bob meets my criteria, I just might have saved myself hours and days and weeks of search. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have to utilize a combination. Even when you're applying online, you have to utilize your network to find out as much as you can about the position. If you can get the hiring manager's name, you look on LinkedIn, learn as much as you can about him or her, and then tailor your approach. Now, we don't stand in front of the company with a sandwich board or anything stupid. It's really about still being professional, but it's a way to stand out in an appropriate way because the other 199 people are probably just sitting and waiting for the phone to ring. Huh. If we were to look at that same question, what is the most impactful way, not only applying for jobs, but uh, say after we've had our first interview on the job, I think this is something yeah. I, I would love to hear your answer on. <laughs> well, so I've just left an interview thing. and I'm, I'm headed yep. home and I'm, there's a smile on my face. I'm feeling good about this. 
what should I be doing? The first thing you want to do is send your thank you notes. And it's, uh, you need to do that within 24 hours. And how you do that, what's appropriate has changed. If it's a high-tech company, you know, um, kind of a fast-moving company, yes, you definitely want to do that in email um, because they're going to think, and you may want to follow it up with a handwritten note. But if you're talking to somebody who appears to be old school, then you definitely want to send a handwritten or typed thank you note. And your thank you note is your first post-interview touch. So if they're interviewing other people for the same job, you want them to remember you. So, of course, you're going to send that. And believe me, companies do pay attention to that. Then, for, oh, and, and back up. At the end of the interview, you should always say, what are the next steps? Or when can I expect to hear from you? You want to set, you want to level set your expectations. Because if it's going to be another month, that's a very different follow-up strategy than if it's going to be a week. Mm-hmm. So you want to figure out how you follow up. And they say, well, you're the first person we've talked to. It's going to be a month. You do not let that month go by. What you do is you might find an article or something online that relates to either their business, one of their competitors, or something you discussed in the interview. You wait a week or so after the thank you note, and you send it along. And you say, hi, Ted, I saw this article on the Harvard, in the Harvard Business Review, and it reminded me of our conversation and one of the challenges you're facing. Hope you're having a great week. So you see how that's like 100% a give? Mm-hmm. There's nothing like, um, can, you, can you tell me, like, am I still in the running? I really want the job. You know, it's more about, it's, it's acting as if you already have the job. So you are positioning yourself as a listener and a problem solver and a person who takes initiative. So we want to follow up in way, creative ways like that that are not, um, hi, have you made a decision yet? Because that's all about what they can do for you. And, but the key here is you have to follow up. Have to follow up. Let me say it again. Have to follow up. The <laughs> fortune is in the follow up. And most people say, well, if they want me, I guess they'll call me. But you have to appropriately follow up. It's a way to make yourself stand out from the crowd. But you have to do it in a way that is, um, in a way that is aligned with, aligned with what their, what their strategy is. If they're not going to make a decision for a month, don't call them every three days for heaven's sake. So it's, it's, the fortune really is in how you mm. appropriately follow up. Mm. Great advice there. And, and finally, in, uh, on, this, on this most impactful discussion, what about the most impactful things you can do if you're unhappy in your current job and you've hit that perpetual glass ceiling and it's just plain time to move on? That's a reality. What is your advice for the most impactful things you can do if you're in a current job and you, and you want to start poking around some other opportunities? The first thing without a doubt, that you have to do is figure out why you're unhappy. You have to be able to isolate it. I have a friend who was really unhappy at work, and she thought it was because of her boss. He just didn't relate to women very well, and it was really frustrating for her. So she went and found a similar job doing similar work working for a better boss. Well, she got there, and she went, "Uh uh-oh, it's the job I was tired of as well. (laughs) She didn't she didn't realize it until she mm-hmm. was away from, so, so she like got crystal clear <clears throat> and she just changed jobs again and she's so happy. But going through the process and figuring out what are the pieces you need to change is the most important thing you can do. Because if you don't know what to change, you're likely to jump into the wrong thing. And so I always tell people, keep a, you know, keep a little, um, even a legal pad, a left, left side, right side every day. What are the things I liked about today that I got to do today? What are the things that frustrated me about today? You do that for a while, you've got your, your, your like and you didn't like column, and you start to see some trends forming about what 
about what's going to make you happy. You get your happy list and your unhappy list. Mm-hmm. And then so it's, it's, you know, it's really about, you know, you can't change something until you know what to change. And there's too mm-hmm. many moving pieces. Mm-hmm. And this is why either having a career coach or somebody who can walk you through that process is so important. Because mm. we, we aren't good at assessing that stuff for ourselves. Mm. How important is trust, that all-too-powerful word, you know, in both... Uh, the job search process, as well as in your, your your current job and the reviews you get in your job, and and how do you work on trust? Building trust, trust. between you and who else? And the employer, right? So, mm. <laughs> um, where this comes into play, you know, is with remote employees, for example, um, you know, or applying for jobs where you'd be working remotely. Um, it comes into play with you know with just about everything in my mind. You know, you, you have to trust the people around you, and you need an atmosphere where yeah. you can trust them. But, but, but talk about that for a little bit because I think that we'd love to hear your professional opinions on that and how important that is to the marketplace. You know, to the overall job marketplace. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, the first thing I thought of when I kind of laughed when you said that is that one of the things and this goes back to something we talked about a little bit ago is that everybody needs to understand that your organization will keep you, they want you until the day they decide they don't want you anymore. And it's it's the hard truth. And so you have to take on that same mindset when it comes to managing your career. I will stay here until it no longer makes sense for me to stay here. Mm-hmm. Because your employer, you really think, I mean, you think, oh, gosh, I don't know if I want to leave. I always say, well, what do you think they would do if they decided they didn't need you anymore? Well, they'd lay me off. I'm like, okay, so let's not get all, you know, let's not... Don't ever place your trust entirely in your employer when it comes to your career or your job. You always have to have a plan B and be thinking about what's next. So that's part of it. Um, but, you know, there's, there's um, the two pieces, I think, that really go into whether we trust a professional and whether that's somebody who comes to our house to lay carpet or, um, you know, someone that we are deci- have decided to let into our network or bring onto our team, and that is character and confidence. You know, are you good at what you do? Are you competent at what you do, and are you are you operate with integrity? Do you say what you you know? Do you do what you say you're going to do? Because both of those, both of those, um, you know, you can have one and not the other. And you know, I've had people do great work here, but they tracked mud all over the house, or they you know they did great work once you got them to show up, or they showed up on time, but you know <laughs> they didn't do what they you know they didn't they weren't good at what they said they were going to do, and that works really in every place in our life. And it goes into what I call, you know, there's all this talk about, oh, what's your brand, what's your brand? And I always say, that's a fancy way of saying, what's your reputation? You know, what do people say about you? And you have one, and, you know, is it what you want it to be? So do people trust you to do what you say you're going to do? Do they trust you to do the work that you purport you can do? And, you know, can you deliver? And so when you look at what are the pieces or the, the pillars of, getting where you're trying to go in your career, that's a big piece of it. Because you can be the best accountant in the world, but if you gossip about your clients or if you um, never deliver on time, you're not going anywhere. And so you have to really think about both of those as going into trust. Are you a fan of, of, of this concept that there are, there are different types of roles and people you know, within companies and corporations that really need to all assemble together to take their skill sets and their, their different uh, you know, uh, practices and, you know, to really all work together? Um, or do you think that you know, um, there, there is just sort of this, this energy level and this you know, 
A, a employee or D employee with with no one in between, and and you know everybody needs to become the A employee. But you know, what's your take on that? Because I'm fascinated that you know as a, as somebody that's built companies and and built teams before, how do you how do you balance that? How, how what, what's your take on all of that? Well, you know, I think there has to be um, a set of behaviors or expectations that everybody has to have. So. Um, you know, uh, whether it's things like putting the customer first, you know, so I think there's always that baseline of things that everybody's expected to have. But you always need, I mean, if you hired everybody was um, a driver, a ladder climber, or somebody who really wanted to get to the top, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to lose most of your people because <laughs> not everybody can get to the top. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important for, there to be an understanding in any organization that you have to have a lot of soldiers and mm-hmm. that it's okay to be a soldier because there are people who say, you know, we talk about striving to get to the next level in your career. It's just as important to recognize that for some of the people in your, in your organization, being where they are right now is good enough for them today and maybe forever. So you might have somebody that says, a woman that says, my kids are in elementary school and this is all I can take on right now. Well, maybe when the kids get out of high school, she can take more on. So I think the most important thing of an organization to look at when you look at building your workforce is people have arcs in their careers. They have, um, you know, they're, they're interested in, and their values are different and they want to do different things at different times. And so making those opportunities available so that you can meet, when you help people meet their personal goals and their personal interests, 